Hey y'all, welcome back. Lamb Sports Guys, part three here on the Saturday local hour edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you as always for making the Chase Thomas Podcast part of your daily listen wherever and however you listen to this program. We greatly appreciate you listening to this daily national sports show here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, Today on the program, Garrett Chapman and Max Markovich, fellow Atlanta sports guys who talk all things Atlanta sports. A lot of fun stuff uh, reacting to the first preseason game for Atlanta, Mariota Ritter stuff, uh, Allison kind of impressing early what the wide receiver depth chart's looking like. Uh, If Jalen Mayfield starting left guard, that ship has sailed. Um, We talk about the Braves' hot start. We talk about what the Hawks' win total really should be with Vegas coming out at 46.5 for the Hawks' win total for the regular season next year. If that feels right over under where we think realistic expectations are. All that and more coming up in just one second with Garrett and Max. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back to the Atlanta Sports Guys. The trio is back together again here on a Friday afternoon. Max Markovich, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening. 3.30. I guess it is a little early for good evening. Afternoon. We got so much time. Yeah, good I'm afternoon. doing doing great doing great how are you not too bad not too bad yeah i guess when do, i don't know when it actually officially becomes good evening when is it appropriate five dinner time 5 p.m okay hmm when After does the, the work morning day. end morning morning ends when morning ends what do you mean at noon okay so noon is when the cutoff <laughs> is is what i'm asking yeah um also here 19 on the games garrett chapman garrett good evening sir i'm doing good a good you, evening and so you're just you're just stuck with it i'm just uh, you're rolling it's it's just with me, Garrett. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Good, good. We got the Corky Cup Classic coming up. Well, I guess it's we're in the midst of it, and uh, we're going through, and we uh, we're at the bins tomorrow, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. I don't understand what they're doing now because, like, my alma mater part you played at Johns Creek last <laughs> night, and that was called the uh, Corky Kell Classic, and they're like playing at all these random. So I don't understand what happened to the Corky Kell that I grew up in, where it was an all day affair at the dome. You all played throughout, like, first thing in the morning, and it wrapped up late as hell on that Saturday night. Too and long of a day, man. That's too long. There's only one football field. No, so they play all over the state now. So they play in a lot of yeah, different places. Know, and so, I mean, it makes it a little easier for everybody. I mean. But that's not the Corky Hill Classic. Then call it something else. It's, you know what that is? Uh, a week of games. It's a slate of games. That's not the Corky Hill Classic. What you're describing there is what they do every other week of the season. Yeah, Kel started, on, started off on Wednesday. What is this? Played, yeah, we've played every. That's how they've done it for a few years now. So they've done it a few years like that. God, you yeah. leave a state and you think you're in good. You leave it in good hands. You think you leave it behind in good hands, and the anarchy just oh, takes over. I love it. No, it, it makes Saturday palatable. There's, there's just instead of having like 15 games, you're gonna have like four really good ones. You know, I, I've got Brookwood and Norcross. Those are the two I'm doing. Mm. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. There you go. Uh, yeah. Norcross, I don't think it's gonna be very good. Uh, Brookwood's gonna be good. You get to see Dylan Lonergan up yeah. close and personal. Oh yeah, now Dylan. Dylan's a stud. Good player. Four star recruit. He go. He he might go pro in baseball. I was talking to his coach. Oh, I know He's Phil Jones very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, Parvey's quarterback is probably going baseball too. Colin Huck. Hey. Um, so I think he has a higher upside. Not to not to go back and forth on the Parvey Brookwood situation, but it seems like uh, it's just. I don't know it's if you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but like part view baseball is a pretty big deal. Uh, it does pretty well. Matt Olson, Jeff Francoeur, national champions, just uh, and everything's cool, if you will. 
just like Tennessee, right? Just like Tennessee. There you go. Oh man, Max, I, have you seen seen the uh, Joe Milton Instagram videos that I've sent over your way? Uh, I deleted Instagram, so no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have Did you not. Really? I really did. no. I didn't delete like my account still exists, but I deleted the app off my phone. It's been gone. I was for gonna like say Chase has been sending these videos to some poor soul. I was gonna <laughs> say like <laughs> just sending it to some random person, also named Mike Mark. I had to like go back. I was thinking about going and grabbing my phone out of the other room and be like, "Who have I been messaging uh, the last uh, couple days?" That's not good. No, it's me. There's just no one on the other end right now. No, I haven't seen the Joe Milton uh, videos, but I'm now it makes me want to log into my Instagram and watch them because I'm here for the Joe Milton hype. It's officially Joe Milton hype season His and it's like hype. a pre-hype it's, it's a pre-hype for next year they're just doing it a year early it's really actually quite nice i don't know man full you uh full year in the system just learning you got a great QB coach yeah talk yourself into that go ahead yeah absolutely we'll it's you know what it'll, it'll be great it'll be great for like start him and then when he sucks that's when you can go to nico and that'll be your like well we have to do it now yeah, Here's your exactly. Marcus Mariota, you know, you'll lose, you'll lose a game and be like, well, well, Joe Milton is still Joe Milton after all these years. I don't know. Or he's just great. And two years of sitting on the bench and learning the system and just refining his craft. And he's awesome for a year and then goes, of course, one yeah, draft. that's definitely what's going to happen. He has the Cam Newton year. I won't rule it out. Like, who knows? <laughs> like, who knows? I will rule it saying? out. I will rule it out. I'm ruling People it out are- right now. That's the the dream right now. So we get Hooker, we get Milton, and then it's Nico. Can you imagine a three quarterback run, a three Heisman quarterback run? Have, I can't even listen you don't to this. See. I can't even listen to this. I well, did I listen mean, to your. Saying, no, it's, it's going to stay in his imagination. That's that's the well, kind of thing on. that are meant to, for, meant for imagination. Next summer's quarterback battle of Taven versus Nico versus Joe Milton. I mean. There's some poverty programs around the country that could only dream of just like two of those quarterbacks being in your quarterback room. And you're just like, oh, man, that would be that'd be awesome. I would love that. Get three just physical. That, Q- like, hmm? that does not hold a, that does That QB competition doesn't hold a handle candle to Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy right now. Oh, no, there's no competition. It's just Cade's job. What are we talking about? It's, there is a competition. They're, they're splitting reps 50 50. Harbaugh said it's wide open. What are you talking about? They're both going to play. Harbaugh's not doing this. Harbaugh's sticking with old faith. No. Cade McNamara, we're a run for school. Like, we're going to just hand the ball off 35 times. We're becoming Wisconsin East. And you know what? East we're going to go 11-1 and one doing that. We're, we're going to mm-hmm. go 11-1 and one doing that and go to the Rose Bowl, and that'll be fun. I mean, your schedule's pretty easy. Like, there are some schools that it could is. hit early and, like, challenge themselves, like at Tennessee Volunteers, and there are others that just burn games in the calendar and Michigan and one of those one of those programs is smarter than the other because there's literally no reason to challenge yourself in non-conference <laughs> in college football when you're trying to compete for the playoff there's zero reason mm. I don't know fan interest fun games Staying I'm interested in winning by 50 against Hawaii and then UConn and then Colorado State I don't know personally. Jim Mora yeah, those are your three out of conference games yeah they're pretty yes, bad Garrett, and then their Maryland schedule. their schedule is a joke oh buddy at least Georgia plays Oregon you know like Oregon's Oregon's gonna get boat raced but you know we, at least no, we, wait 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 this is this is an assault this is an assault Michigan usually plays like we, we, ha- we <laughs> have I'm not Washington. coming at you I'm not coming at you just one of the we years. had Washington last okay. year Notre Dame's coming back we the whole thing whatever but the division's so hard that like I don't care enough mm there you go. Uh, what y'all do care a lot about, though, is the quarterback competition, the text thread of just you've seen enough. I saw a lot of that uh, over the weekend. Now that you've had a full week, though, 
to really think about what you saw from Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota last week. Where are you at, Max? Uh, I mean, Mariota's going to start, uh, and I think that's fine and probably the way it should be. I think you saw things with Ritter that will have you encouraged, and I think that that was kind of all you needed. But I also think like the Twitter hype might have been a little over the top for what the performance actually was. I mean, you saw the mistakes in there. You saw some of the inaccuracy. I thought he was really decisive, which was which was nice to see. Like he wasn't he wasn't like a rookie, like skittish, didn't know where to go with the ball. But you can see some of the concerns, um, and they're mostly rookie concerns. So you start with Mariota, and when Mariota doesn't work out, you go to Ritter, and they're probably both going to have tough years, and that's kind of going to be that. Interesting. What do you think, Garrett? I, like Max said, I mean, like there, there are encouraging things that I can take from it. I'll, I'll take everything that I saw with a grain of salt because it is the first preseason game, and I don't want to react too heavily to something that I uh, that we saw there. I mean, against a, a pretty bad Lions defense, admittedly. Um, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's a preseason game. I, I want to see him come out and show composure and, and poise, and he did just that. And, and I'm encouraged by seeing that. But like Max said, this is this is Marcus Mariota's job. He's going to be the starter, uh, barring some insane turn of events, which I just don't foresee. They brought in Marcus Mariota specifically to be the starter, and he's going to be the starter. Um, it, because it, it's like at the end of the day, it's like as much as I do want to see Desmond Ritter play, you're also looking at the development of, of Drake London and, and the further development of Kyle Pitts. And if Marcus Mariota gives you the best chance to do to develop those guys, then he needs to be the starter because you're not going to win games regardless. Um, and I do want to see Desmond Ritter. I think we will eventually see Desmond Ritter and see what he can do because I just think the Falcons might get blown out a few times and put in <laughs> positions where they're just not going to win some games. So might as well put him in, see what he can do. And, and uh, I'm just not going to make more of more of what it is or what it could be. So I don't want to overreact. I know it was fun. We were having fun reacting to, to what we saw. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's going to be the starter, whatever, blah, 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 blah. He's going to the Hall of Fame, whatever. No. <laughs> the level head, level heads prevail. And he's, he's going to be a good quarterback. I'm, I'm still pretty confident of that. Uh, we'll just see if and when he plays. Um, have you all uh, bookmarked uh, Aaron Freeman and his Falcons running preseason depth chart? No. No. Okay, I'm going to drop that in the chat. So he did this really cool thing where he is, he has this Google Doc that is going to keep a running tally throughout um, the preseason of like who's starting and who's not. So I just dropped it in the private chat. But what's interesting here when I was going through it, we saw a lot of Quadri Allison uh, this past week, and he looked good. And now you're like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Then you look at the addition of Kaderil Hodge, and you're like, is Kaderil Hodge going to be a significant factor? Brian Edwards obviously did not play on Friday, but I don't know. Who for, between Kaderil Hodge and Quadri Allison intrigues you more as a bigger, bigger option going into next year, Garrett. Audrey Allison. I mean, for sure. I mean, like we've been hearing about this guy for a number of years and he's finally, hopefully getting a chance to, to show some, show what he can do. Um, I mean, they said he was going to be a goal line guy last year and now this year it's, Hey man, he's getting some reps. <laughs> and so hopefully he can actually do something with it. I still think it's Tyler Algier. I'm on the Tyler Algier train. He <laughs> is on the backside of uh, the, as far as like, I, I'm looking at this depth chart and he's like on the back of this depth chart, but mm. um, that's just more of a, a consistent 
thing that Arthur Smith has done. He's always put his rookies second team or third team or whatever. He did this with Kyle Pitts last year. He did this. He's obviously doing it with Drake Lund- with um, excuse me. Uh, let me see where is Drake London. He started the X. Well, I guess he is. Never mind. Never mm-hmm. mind. So, but he he did that consistently with some with a lot of these guys going going um, going through stuff. But um, Quadri Olson, I mean, he's a good player. I, we'll just see what he can do. He just hasn't really had much of an opportunity. But I, I, we saw some of the flashes from from things that we've heard about. But now we're finally seeing it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it continues on Monday. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I think <clears throat> with both of these guys, it's a little bit of you know. It's it's not really the sexy name at that spot that we that we kind of thought might be the guy, and it's sort of a testament to like if if you play better than like at, at running back, I think we all thought Tyler Algier would probably assert himself into that 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 role. But if it's Quadri Allison and he's better, like it's going to be Quadri Allison. Um, and you know that's not saying it's not going to be Tyler Algier, Algier like it's early and that's week one preseason, but it is to say that like the better player is going to play. And like a receiver, I think you're seeing some of these guys, they clearly like uh, Kadero Hodge and they clear. I, I think Auden Tate is probably on the out um, mm. who they traded. For. I mean, they, they traded for, I believe. Um, and it looks like Frank Darby might be on the out. Um, and Frank Darby was a guy who was like a fan favorite. Everyone loved the pick later round pick. And you know, if if uh, Kadero Hodge and Geronimo Allison, let's say, are like better options, then they're going to stick. Um, and so I, I do think that that is indicative of sort of where the hierarchy is right now. And with guys like that, that really matters because it will dictate who makes the team. Like, could Damian Williams perhaps not make the team? Is that some crazy idea? It's I mean, I guess still a possible. I would be surprised if Damian Williams doesn't make the team. Uh, I probably would, too, but. I don't think it's like out of the realm for sure. Um, I also think it's interesting. So Elijah Wilkinson uh, left card. Number one, old friend Jalen Mayfield did not have a good night uh, last Friday and he gets uh, another rough go of it with jets. Like whatever you think about the jets right now, like the defensive line. I mean, they have literally a captain America built man and Michael Clemens off the edge out uh, of Texas A&M. You look at their defensive line, like they have dudes. Uh, the Jets' defense is going to be good, and they're going to have pass rushers. Pass rushers, and we're going to see some stuff. It's going to be uh, different than Detroit. I am most curious to see it. Is it already over? Like, are we moving on? It's like Elijah Wilkinson is the left guard on opening night, and Jalen Mayfield is no longer a part of these future plans. I wonder if we're there. What do you think, Garrett? I mean, no, I don't think we're there exactly, completely yet. Um, Jalen Mayfield's been dealing with injuries, but at the same time, it's like we've seen this with Marlon Davidson too. It's like the best ability is preseason, by the way. Yeah, yeah, the best ability is availability, and if you're not playing, then we don't know what you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, So Elijah Wilkinson is building the gap right now, and it's Elijah Wilkinson's job. It's not over by any stretch of the imagination. Jalen Mayfield still needs to be acting as if he's going to be the starter. He needs to to be fighting to get that job. I, I haven't seen anything from him that, that mm. gives me confidence that that's going to happen, but saying it's over, I, I'm not ready to say it's over just yet, but the, coming for a guy from a guy who, who had probably one of the most forgettable seasons, rookie seasons that I've seen in a very long time, he needs every single rep and he needs every single rep to be as good as possible. And now he's just not even getting those reps because he's been dealing with all these injuries and everything else. 
So no, it's not over yet. Elijah Wilkinson, I'm still, I'm putting my, ch- if I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Elijah Wilkinson to take the starting job though. I just don't think they're going to mess around with this anymore. They're just like, no, like we're best players playing. Like you look at this, Kaderil Hodge in the starting line. Like I don't think Arthur Smith is messing around when it comes to hierarchy and throwing shit at the wall. Like he is going to play the best guys. And it's like, even if we drafted you high or whatever, if you can't play, you can't play. Like this is, this is going to be a merit based situation in Atlanta. And I think that's fun. Um, Max, is there anything that you saw from the defensive line? Because, uh, I mean, there are a lot of tears when we look at this defensive line and the just the bodies this team just needs uh, to really compete week in, week out. Was there anyone that stood out that you're like, oh, maybe, maybe we can get a little bit more here from this player? I mean, I'm really just looking for flashes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to judge on like sustained performance in a preseason game. Um, and we saw uh, we saw a few Arnold Ebicady flashes yeah. that got me it got me like feeling something. Um, like, I, that's kind of what I'm going to look for this season, right? Because how many of these pieces are really guys that are surefire to build around? And I think that I think that a few of them will establish themselves as sort of keepers. And I think you know a guy like. Taquan Graham, maybe like I, I don't. I think you're kind of grasping at like who's going to show me something, and I, I, you know, I you really hope it's the young guys, right? You hope it's Abikati, you hope it's Malone, um, but again, like that's not going to dictate who plays. So I think <clears throat> I think two things, like who plays, tells us something. It tells us where they are in the hierarchy. It tells us how they're practicing, because we know Arthur Smith isn't going to throw throw out Arnold Abikati. If he's not ready, we know he's not going to throw out Malone if he's not ready. And if he is being thrown out, then to some extent he is ready. So, you know, I don't have tremendous hope for the Falcons defensive line this year. Let's just say that. But like right now, especially in the preseason, I'm looking at flashes like who who jumps off the screen and does something and makes a play. Hmm. I'm. I'm pretty optimistic about Ebiketti. I think he's going to be a good player. I feel pretty good. Uh, I think it was last week um, Garrett made the case for Lorenzo Carter uh, leading this team in sacks this year. And we'll see. It's a possibility uh, on that front. And, I mean, it would be nice to get something out of Lorenzo Carter, but a lot of it is health with him. Um, he just He's never played 17 games, and we'll see how many games we get out of him before injuries. But I don't know. There's nothing we can do about that. And we'll have to see. Um, in terms of the Jets game, though, on Monday Night Football, uh, Garrett, what are you most looking for? Uh, based on what we saw in game one, what are, what's your biggest thing that you're going to be focused on for game two? Well, like Max said, I mean, it's just looking for the flashes. I mean, <clears throat> there's only so much that you can really take from a preseason game, regardless of where it's being played or who it's against. Um, I want to see... I want to see these rookies continue to play, and I want to see these one-year guys. So the guy I talk, like you just mentioned, Lorenzo Carter, he's a guy I really want to see play. Um, I want to see what he can do. I mean, this first-team defense got run over by the Lions, and I want to see them come out and see how they respond after they've been. Every, that's everyone. That's what everyone talked about was after after that game. It was not as much about the the bend but don't break sort of mentality that they had and and what they they showed in the uh, later on in the game. All people talked about was that first drive or DeAndre Swift just sort of ran it down their throats. Um, so I want to see how they respond to that. And then, I, I, like I said, like the rookie players, I mean, I want to see what they can do. I want to continue to see that progression and see who he starts putting faith in and to actually make plays and, and putting in position to to, to do stuff. And I, I want to see if they actually do the stuff, you know. So um, 
I don't know. Just like I said, win win loss records don't really matter all that much to me. But I do. I want to. I want to watch these individual performances and, and specifically on this defense. I want to see what these guys can do. All right, there you go. I like it. Um, on the Hawks, I have one Hawks things for you guys. For you guys. Um, what's curious to me is I was starting to think about like because we're having different NBA people on this pod and just thinking about like the hierarchy. Cause like when you think about contenders and you think about wins, like I think probably right now the Sixers should be the favorite to win the most amount of games in the regular season uh, next year, based on where they're at and their depth and everything. I think they are in a good position to win 60 games. Um, I am curious to see if they can stay healthy enough to do that, but I would not be surprised if they're the favorite on that front. But you look at it and you're like, okay, well, if Boston's getting KD, which they might be forced to just trade for KD because nobody will do it. And KD's like, I'm not reporting until I'm traded. So you put KD on Boston with Tatum. You have Miami who's not going anywhere. You think about it and you're like, okay, what is the path to the Hawks getting back in the top four in the regular season? And I was trying to figure out like, okay, we're, what should be the expected win total for the Hawks like what is acceptable based on the offseason moves and where this roster currently stands Max what's the number for you that feels the most acceptable it is so hard for me to answer this question and I've been thinking about this too with like well are the Hawks you know the Hawks the Hawks push their chips in right they did the dig they did the thing they they made the trade and they pushed their chips in and when you make a trade like that you'd like some kind of assurance that you're like among the elite now yeah and I don't think we got that assurance. Like the Hawks are not as constructed a top three team in the East. I don't think anyone could argue otherwise. But what, what it did do is introduce a level of variance that you haven't had. And like that variance of what is DeJounte and Trey going to be is the Hawks upside. Like hmm. if that is the best version of what it could be, then yeah, the Hawks could be an elite team as soon as this year. Um, and so I, I think it's almost impossible for me to like peg they should win 50 games, they should win 48 games, whatever, until we see what that actually looks like. But I think the ceiling of what's possible is 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 what's changed primarily. Like expectations maybe have not gone that, you know, have not increased by that much baseline expectations. But the upside of like the best version of this backcourt is like, a f- the foundation of a title winning backcourt is is in play it exists that's interesting i well garrett go ahead no i i mean like max said i mean like i i don't I, i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say like a win a successful season is winning 50 games because that's i think this you is a team good putting that as the minimum because i think that's okay like with the that's a good of- season that'd be a very good season for them if they win 50 plus games i mean look if they won 50 games they'd be a top five team in the eastern conference last year but when you look at the east that's east why i think this exercise is so interesting is that like i think the east is gonna be really top heavy like the celtics and how many games they should win in the regular season you look at the heat they'll win a bunch of regular season games the sixers the Bucks. i mean well, it's I just, just crowded I think the right projection now, if you like force me to pick the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference, the right projection is fifth for Atlanta, mm. I think, behind I think Boston. Well, it depends on Brooklyn, I guess, but Boston, Milwaukee, uh, Philly, and Miami yeah. are the teams that I think are, I don't really think you could argue, like looking at it right now, the Hawks should be picked ahead of those teams. Um, and Brooklyn will see, right? But like, I do think that's more reflective on those four teams are all title contenders. And, like, I think comfortably you can say those teams are title contenders next year. And the Hawks are not, like, title contenders 
as like from we what, don't know the yet. Way, right, right. Yeah. I, I guess I should say we can't expect the baseline of the Hawks next year to be title contenders. Like we know those teams are title contenders. We don't know that on the Hawks. Best case scenario, this this Hawks team is a title contender. Best case scenario, but I'm not ready to say that that's a, a realistic possibility. Things would have to go their way. Like a lot of things would have to go their way in order for that to happen. But I don't think look, we have I mean, a coach to enter that territory yet. I think we're the that's the next coach that <laughs> maybe that is maybe the next, that's the next step. But the thing is, look, but Max Max started. I mean, like, look, I mean, this is a team that's it's starting to build its identity. I think that was one of the issues that it had last year is that it was Trey Young and nothing. Yeah. You know, like it was a bunch of other people who were playing just on the court, just sort of like aimlessly playing basketball. And now I rookie, think then you were just pushed away. Unless you just away. didn't know, then you go play for the Skyhawks. Mm-hmm. But, but no, but it's like, I think that this team finally has more of an identity. And I think that this Hawks team, if they didn't go through that early season stretch where they were just sort of in that hangover from the, uh, the 2021 postseason, then we're looking at a team that would have won about 50 games. They won a, they won. They were terrible in that first half of the season, but then People forget that this is a team that still flipped a switch. They just couldn't put it over the top because, you know, the Eastern Conference was a lot better this year. And I think it's going to be even better in 2022, 2023. So they cannot afford to have that stretch where they just look like they're listless and and without life. You know, I I think they're going to go through some growing pains, but growing pains are fine. What what, what frustrated fans and, and me specifically was that this team looked unmotivated. They didn't look like they cared on any given night. He's oh, we're a team built for the playoffs. Bullshit. You, you lost in five games to the Miami Heat because mm. you didn't win those games that mattered in November and December. And I don't think that that team is going to be the same team that we see in November and December of this year. Are they going to – would that reflect on the win-loss record? That remains to be seen because you have changed the identity of this basketball team. I want to see how Trey can play off of the basketball. I want to see DeJounte Murray take the ball up the court. I want to see if, if Nate McMillan – is going to rotate these guys properly, I, I, at least in my opinion, that what he should be doing. But I, there are things; the pieces are in place for this to be a title contender. I don't mm. think that this is necessarily the year that they are. Well, I think I think the way I'm looking at it is like you start a rebuild by like collecting assets, right? You just collect assets and then you you figure it out from there. And they started the rebuild with a superstar. That's the best asset you can have. They got their superstar, right? And in the, 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 you transition from like collecting assets to building a team. And that's like a slow process. But like, you know, you signed Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich because those are free agent assets that you can get in the books and figure it out, right? You trade for Clint Capella because that's good value. And, you know, he pairs well with Trey. And you just kind of bring these guys in. You you add first round Cam Reddish, like the talent's too good. You give him a chance. DeAndre Hunter, like you know, you trade up for that because you like the player. And they had all these assets going on, but I I do feel like they finally sort of constructed a team, and mm-hmm. it's kind of the team that we all thought would work best with Trey. In theory, right? You have you have Trey, who is like as I've said on this podcast a number of times. A, basically a top five NBA offense by himself. You throw him out there, and if he's healthy, you're going to be a top five offense. And that's a, a cheat code of kind. That comes with a huge liability in that he needs to be surrounded by four guys who can guard. You have that now. And not only do you have that, you have depth on the wings. You added Mo Harkless. 
you added um, the Holiday Brothers. Stephen and Aaron, yes. People forget. You're just throwing defenders around, like all over the place, and you have two bigs that you like. Um, John Collins is a little bit the outlier piece in all this, and you know I think he's kind of here because there was really no other option to turn to, um, and that's sort of a different conversation entirely. But now you, you've gone from like here are all our assets to like here's our team, and I think that's what's like got me cautiously excited. Is like it's no longer like where, where do we find twenty minutes for Cam Reddish? Like how do we? It, the questions are not like how do we get all these guys the ball and like Kevin Herter? Like how where is he going to get his buckets and Bogey? It, the questions are more to me like health and fit, and those are things we can't really see until they happen. Well, I also look at it, and I think this is something that folks, when if you, the the Hawks could be number one in the East next year, I I'm not. That doesn't even mean that they're a title contender because you can be number one in the East and you can win a lot of regular season games. And part of what wins a lot of regular season games is both depth and vets. The only young guys Nate's gonna have to play are all NBA guys. <laughs> like it's the it's Dejounte Murray and Trey Young and John Collins. Like it is. Outside of that, we'll see Anyeka and Kong will get some minutes. But, like, you look at the lineups, and this is what we kind of simplify, where it's like the Cam Reddish, like you were talking about, guys, is that Cam and those kind of guys, he's not worrying about anymore. Like, it's straight up vets and vets only. Like, that is who is surrounding the core pieces, and that there will always be a good basketball player on the floor at all times for the Hawks and who knows his job. Like, there's a difference between throwing out Jalen Johnson, who doesn't know what he's doing yet in the NBA, Versus Mo Harkless, who's like, I'm going to play defense, play the floor, shoot corner threes, and that's it. Like, I'm not doing anything else. I know what I'm doing. I think there's just going – exactly. I think there's just going <laughs> to God. be – Exactly, and I think that's where we're at, is I don't know if that makes us a contender, but I think people might be – like, I'm banging the over if it's 50 for the Hawks on opening night. Like, if that's the over-under win total for the Hawks next year – I'm leaning the over because I think right now Vegas has it in the 40s. I want to say was it like 46 and a half or something? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm I'm comfortable hitting the over on that. Just yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very would, comfortable hitting the over on that. I would say to 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 bring some cold water. First of all, I was all over last year's over of 48. I think like all over, and that was not. Yeah, they're 46 um, and a half, by the way. Here's before you continue, like let me just yeah, throw out ahead. who's who's ahead of us in the East right now. So the Hawks sit at 46 and a half. Ahead is the Heat at 48 and a half, the Sixers ahead at 49 and a half, and then the Bucks at 52 and a half, and number one in the NBA altogether, the Celtics at 55 and a half. So right now, like you said, Max, number five. Like this is that's the number that's five seed right now. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. The reason I would caution against like the over and the regular season, like one seed stuff is and I, I was banging the drum for it last year um I, I i do think it's gonna take some time with the two of them like i i think just like you know just in terms of feeling out how it's all gonna work i i don't think it'll be like a hit the ground running type of thing and so I, I you know maybe i'll change my mind but i don't think i'm gonna overreact to like if the hawks are 500 through 20 games or whatever um but that would that would not obviously that would not help out the over. So I think that's the only thing sort of holding me back on that number. Yeah. I mean, we are assuming that DeJounte Murray is, is completely fine with taking a, a number two role. This is a guy who, who the offense ran through him. He had, like, if you look at Trey Young's numbers, like his usage rate, it was obscenely high. Another guy who was really high was DeJounte Murray for the Spurs. You know, like people like 
we're just assuming that he's going to be fine taking a back seat. And we're also assuming that Trey is fine cutting down that number substantially. So we're making pretty, I, I think these are fine assumptions to make because they want to win basketball games. I think they're both at that stage of their career. They've gotten to, they've seen, they, they've, they've kind of cut their teeth a little bit. They know what it takes to win and they've both lost badly. Um, so they know what it takes to win, but are they willing to do it? That's, that's really the biggest question. And then how, how does that cohesion work? So, I mean, Max, I mean, we, we both were talking about it. Like that whole, that whole period, like that November, December, that's going to be a huge period to see how these guys feel each other out. And I think the most encouraging, the most encouraging like point in the favor of they will figure it out is that they're both energized and yeah. into this partnership. Like they're, it's not like you're, you're putting some odd couple together, superpairing, superstar pairing. Like they both want to play together and they want to make it work. And in the NBA, that's like half the battle with superstars. The and one, one thing that, that I have oh, taken, yeah, so sorry, one thing, one thing that I've, I've taken a lot of heart into specifically is that Trey Young has been training. First off, he's been playing with DeJounte Murray, but then he's also been training with Steph Curry this offseason. And Steph Curry is the king of off-ball offense. In a perfect world, everyone wants Trey Young to be the next Steph Curry. He's not, obviously. He's a completely different kind of player. But if Trey Young can emulate, at least to some degree, what Steph Curry is able to do off of the basketball. We've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, and I've heard it 100 different places. But the fact that he is training with Steph Curry gives me reason to believe that he's trying to make this thing work. And I, I, it's for that reason. I mean, I'm, I'm good with that number. I, I think 46 and a half. I mean, I'm still good pounding the over on that because I think the three wins, I think the four wins better than last season. Adding DeJounte Murray, I think that adds four wins at least. I think it either that's the funny thing about all of this, and we can put a bit on it here, is that like we talk about like they're playing together a little bit, but you can respect each other's game and all that kind of stuff, but like we have no idea. Like Trey might really hate this shit. Like he might like what did I get myself into where I should have pushed for a big DeAndre or whoever who's not gonna gobble up my opportunities. Like what if Trey just doesn't want to play off the ball? What if he's like, I'm not doing this? Like I'm not gonna be off the ball player and they don't they don't just coalesce around one another. We have no idea. Like it is one thing to watch another star player from afar and be like, man, I'd love to have him on my team. I would love to have that kind of help. And then to be like, Oh, <laughs> it's that whole meme of like, Oh, reaping what you sow. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I think. It's a possibility. Like we don't know. It is it's a possibility, what- but that would reflect, that would, that would reflect poorly on Trey young and no one else. Because he has yeah. he has to understand there are limitations to like what he can be in the NBA. Like, and, and if you constructed in a lab the type of player to play with Trey, it would look something like Dejounte Murray um, as a secondary creator. And so, to me, that would be like, all right, that's on you, man. Like that that is something that he needs to come to terms with. And if he doesn't, yeah, the Hawks are not going to be very good. But that's like because of him. Yeah, and and this isn't the same situation as like say like a Dwayne Wade when he invited LeBron to to come down to Miami to to, to play and win championships. I think that this team brought Dejounte Murray in here to compete for champ compete for and win championships, but it's not the same kind of situation necessarily. I mean, like this is a guy he's still going to be number one. Like he may not average, like the 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 ball's not going to be in his hands as much as it was, and he may not lead the the, the league in scoring and assists again this year, but he's going to win more basketball games. And I think at the end of the day, if you're winning games on the court and you're fifth in scoring, I, I, if I'm Trey Young, I'm sure I, I'd like that a whole hell of a lot more than being first in scoring and losing. So 
it, it's a give and take. It's the give and take. Like Max said, like it's it's the if you want the guy who who makes your team that gives your team the best chance to win, it's it's Dejounte Murray. So if he does it, this is it's a poor reflection on him. So I, I think this is going to be a good combination. I think there, there's a willingness from both guys to make this work, and as long as that's the case, then this is going to be a good. This is going to be good because you you just leverage your entire future to make it work. So the Hawks better sure as hell hope it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, last thing on the Atlanta Braves, uh, you see this you hear about this. The Braves are in a fun series with the New York Metropolitans. Um, it's been a, it's been a little bit. Now you get the Astros over the weekend. Like this is a really tough seven game gauntlet for Atlanta. When you look at the rest of the season, like it's, we're almost done. Like this is, uh, this is about it. Uh, fan still heavily uh, favors the Mets winning this division uh, when it's all said and done. Garrett, your biggest takeaway from the four gamer against the Mets? The young guys are good. Yeah, the young guys aren't going anywhere. I mean, look, these guys are. They're Is really not young anymore. No, no, okay. he's, a, he's yeah. twenty-eight years old. I mean, also, I, I feel vindicated he's in, that I, he's in contract. Has been saying on this Toss. podcast for a very long time that Dancy Swanson was was not long for the Atlanta Atlanta Braves. That man is gone. Done. No, he's under contract. He's now apparently, according to John Heyman, he's he's entered negotiation. He's having yeah. this negotiation. But no, the uh, three and a half games. We, I mean, I talked to Snicker about this last night. We, the, the three and a half games this time of year is a lot of games. That, that's mm. a lot, especially when you start looking at the slate of games that the the Braves have compared to the slate of games that the Mets have. And the Mets, I, I'm I'm comfortable to say that the Mets aren't Metsing right now. <laughs> the Mets are a very good baseball team, and they're going to be a problem for a lot of a lot of a lot of clubs that they play. So, are they a World Series team? No, maybe not. Who breaks the Mets? Either. I mean, we don't know. I mean, we don't know about the Mets. I mean, they may or may not be if they can stay healthy. But they have that rotation, and they have that. They're deep as far as like guys who can extend ball ball games. And it, like at bats and everything else, so they get on base. They get on base, and then they just play small ball, and it works. And they, they're pesky and annoying to, to the pitcher. But look, they're a good baseball team. I learned that the. I mean, look, look, the Braves are the Braves are a pretty damn good team too. But this is the first series that the Mets had lost within the division all season, and that's a testament to how dominant they've been when they're playing NL East opponents. They've won thirty eight. They're like thirty eight and like nineteen or something when they're playing in at least opponents, that's incredible. So win the series, win the division, the Braves put themselves in, in a good, as good a position as they could coming into this game or into the series. Rather, they got the ice cream machine, which is the important thing for them fueled the playoff mm-hmm. run last year. Um, but look, I mean, they have the, it doesn't get any easier because they have the Cardinals. They have to go to St. Louis to go play the Cardinals. That's a very important series. Another one. So, also, Soroka might going. just come back. Like, is that just happening? Is Soroka just coming back, uh, barring some more crazy? Absolutely, he's got three or four spot. more starts. He's got three or four more starts. But if he's if he if he comes out there in his next two starts, he's going. To, he's pitching in Gwinnett on his next one. But if he comes out and he does what he did, then he's going to be up here on this big league club middle of he's September. Dealing. He's. I mean, they're high A ball. They're they're A ball hitters. I mean, so but still, I'll take like, it with a like seven Ks in like three innings. Like that dude was yeah. dealing. Commanding his stuff. Stuff looked good. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's, not, it's Velo, not easy. Like the distractions right of going to Rome. Um, you're you got Barry College and the views over in Rome, Georgia. <laughs> like it's easy to get lost in just the college town vibe of Rome, Georgia, when you're doing those rehab starts. Like um, in Gwinnett, being at Cool Ray, we'll see that this uh, in the next couple days with uh, with that. Like, how is he gonna? deal with the mall of Georgia right down the street. Like, does he get distracted? Does he hit the, 
hit Taco Mac before. There's all kinds of distractions. So we'll see how ready Mike Soroka is very soon. Rome, Georgia, the, the distraction capital of the world. We'll say, though, um, that uh, Barry College, very, very pretty. Very, very pretty. Big. I think it's the biggest campus in the country, if I remember correctly. I think they actually have, like, the most land. Um, I'm pretty certain that Barry Does is not still... surprise me. That would yeah. not surprise me in this list. That would, that would surprise me a ton. The, yeah, I'm the pretty sure Barry is the biggest. The I'm pretty sure Barry. No, they have a lot of. They have a lot of space. They, I mean, they. I mean, they own just. It might be world too. Hold on, let me look this up. This is a very Atlanta sports guy thing. Yeah, they own twenty. Yeah, the world's largest campus, twenty-seven thousand acres. Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't know it was that many. I thought it was gonna be like, <laughs> dude, 10, it's 000. huge. It stretches all over the place. It's like that. Wow. It's it's wild. Yeah, see, world's largest campus. Okay, I thought it was the United States, and I was a little hesitant to even say that. But yeah, no, if you, it's a fun time for the Atlanta folks tuning into the Atlanta sports guys today. If you haven't already, go check out Barry College. We're um, a state encompassing podcast here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm excited. I think I by the uh, the end of it, uh, Michael Harris extended. Um, I will say. It's a weird, weird feeling with this stuff. I will always feel a little bit like, mm. it's just weird to celebrate getting these stars on a bargain contract for several <laughs> years. We were like, I I mean, barring injury, you were going to make a lot more money than that in the next couple of years. And you probably should have held out for a couple more years and just gone to arbitration and just, you know, uh, made a well, bunch of money. Look at it this way. I no, mean, but they, it's an eight year deal. I mean, it's an eight year deal. He's only, they only have the three years, that, assuming that they continue to progress, but yeah. they're making 10 times what they would be making next year. 10 times right. over the next five years, they're making way more money, way more guaranteed, gonna... and you're locked in and you know exactly where you're going to be. It's, it's a comfort of, of knowing where you're going to be. That matters to a lot of people. To me, it makes me. It makes me feel more weird about the arbitration system than like the Braves. Hmm. Like, it's just like a weird. It's weird that that is like a mutually beneficial deal. Like, you look at Ronald Acuna's contract, and it's like legitimately should be illegal. Um, I honestly like I, hmm. paying off, but that's the price of like you are buying out the the pre arbitration years, and like that is Garrett said, like that is valuable. That has value in itself. But it does make me like second guess sort of the whole arbitration system um, rather than like the Braves practices within it. And I'm not no, saying the Braves practices talk. are I not mean, bad. Like, I, let me be clear. I'm not saying the Braves practices are not bad. I just think it's weird when fans celebrate like, oh, we're getting this guy for a bargain. We got another one for a bargain. We locked <laughs> up another superstar young well, means, for less money than he's worth. Got him. Got him. Guys, it. guys, it's Alex Anthopoulos is sold he sold a culture of winning and a strong clubhouse and development. And it's like, hey, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna lock you into this group. You're gonna win a lot of baseball games. You're set for life financially. Like, okay, but it's still, you're, I mean, you're leaving money on the table. Let, let's be clear here. Like, sure, and these guys know that. But the thing is, it's like they're guaranteed. They saw what happened with Freddie. They they know they they see these fans. They love this fan base. Many of these guys grew up Braves fans. They're playing at home in front of their home stadium, like for their friends and family. Michael yeah. Harris is from. Uh, the cab county yeah there's <laughs> and you're gonna make generational money to play for the team that you grew up cheering for in front of your friends and family and you're gonna win a lot of baseball games and compete for world series every single year for the next decade jack that's it I, that's all i need to hear that's all I, that's all i need to hear if i'm michael harris and 
if he continues to play at the level that he's playing, he's going to be out of this deal at age, what, 30? And he's going to, yeah. it's not like he's too old to go make a big contract. He's still going to go sign an eight year deal and he's going to make a, a fortune if he, if he is the player that everyone thinks that he can be. I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you. He can still sign that. that. I'm telling you. $300 million dollar contract. That, that wouldn't put it past him. Look, I love Cobb County and uh, playing in Cobb County, but I'm just going to go ahead and do a couple more years of arbitration and then we'll see at 24, 25, 26 what my value is in the market. Because if Harris is playing at the level he is right now out of the gate, this man uh, was in high school three years ago. Um, He's taking the AP exams two years yeah, ago. Yeah, like I, my guess is uh, in his mid 20s, I think he would earn a lot more money if he waited. Um, but he can I mean, both, yeah, he can both be making generational life-changing money yes. that is like good for his life and also be underpaid. Yes. Like, or, you know, also, leaving money fans, on the just table. Stop celebrating this. That's all I ask is like no celebrating. Especially in a, non, in a non-salary cap league. Yes. That's like, that is stop the key doing here. this. Like I just, please stop. Like, I, uh, I mean, but this also, it. but one, actually one thing that this does say, and I'm, I'm just, the more I'm thinking about it and the more I talk to people about it, the more I get a, like a gut feeling that this team is really going to go make an offer for Jacob Grom. Oh, I just, I think it's going to happen. The more, the more I think about it, the more I see all of these other moves that they're locking up skill players. That's I, oh my god, I just call them skill players, position players. Mm. They're going to go in and go sign a, like a top end pitcher. Well, because you got money he's coming have to off agree the on a one year deal. Like we're not. Oh, it's going to be a two three year deal. It's going to be a two or three year deal. But he's going to come in and he's going to make twenty five million dollars, thirty million, thirty million dollars a year. How many starts has Degrom made in the last two years? Six. I don't care if I can get Jacob Degrom in here for two years. Did you see that performance? You're not getting last Jacob Degrom for two years, though. Like the idea that you're getting those kind of like the starts. I'll out do there. it. I'll do it. I'm not doing it. I'm doing an RP. Are you I kidding me? I would do it. No like question. The Dodgers. He's the best pitcher. He's the best pitcher that we've seen in the last decade. Hold on, but have you seen who's on the market next year? I, there's options. Jacob like, Degrom's on the market. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Just, and he's a Braves I, fan. He grew up a Braves fan. We Bring don't just have Braves to, country, like, man. are you a Braves fan? All right, done. Let's Half lock the team are Braves fans, man. Come on. Everyone's you know who else fan. is a Braves fan? Freddie he's Freddy. not a Mets fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But no, I mean, the more I think about it, though, the more I'm like, I'll say no. Charlie Morton's not likely. going to be on this team next year. They need another pitcher. Let's get an ace. They're going to have Mike Soroka on an affordable deal. Max Freed is still in a contract for the next two years. Give me Jacob Grum. I'll do it. All right. I mean, we'll come on. See. It's going to, I just have a gut feeling. Braves are at least going to be in play. They're going to be in play for Jacob DeGrom. I think Mike Miner is a little bit more uh, realistic. Mike Miner reunion. Bringing also a Braves like sensation. Also Which a Braves your Jersey's up to? Can we get Jersey's back for <laughs> Julio Tehran? Let's go grab him. I don't know. He's somewhere. He is, uh, he's eminently available in case, in case he wants to come back. I'm just, I, I need one more start from Tukey. I need one more start to figure out if it's going to work. I love that curveball, man. I miss yeah. that curveball. Uh, Max Markovich, find you on Twitter at Max underscore Markovich, Garrett Chapman at GChapATL. Uh, w Millennials back this week. Not this week, man. We got no. the Corky Kill Classic. We're not calling it that anymore. So Corky Kill, you can make Corky Kill. Yeah, like rest the in pseudo, the pseudo Kell Classic. Uh, you know what it is? It's some bullshit. Um, what Ooh. that is? Yeah, it's gonna be some uh, great football though. I'm so excited for this. Game. Well, I was there last night, rivalry Thursday here in Tennessee. I'll be at the game tonight. Uh, different uh, Oak Ridge game, but yeah, Your boys over in Nashville are down, coming down to uh, the Freedom Bowl. Who? What is it? The um, Lipscomb. I don't know. Yeah, Brentwood? Lipscomb. Lipscomb, yeah. You know who the head coach of Lipscomb yeah. is? He's uh, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer is the coach yeah. of Lipscomb. No way. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Trent Dilfer's coming down. He's going to be at Walton. It's uh, Thompson, Alabama playing Buford High School. Hmm. That's the number 11 team and the number 14 team in the country. Interesting. Yeah. Very fun. Top players going to Alabama, Clemson, all kinds of LSU. It's going to be an incredible game. Speaking of Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson. Sorry about Ricky Gibson. That was that was rough. <laughs> I love high school football. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Max Markovich, Garrett Chapman, always a pleasure. I will talk to you all next week. All right, y'all, that'll do it for the Saturday Local Hours edition here on the Chase Mums Podcast. we got a three-hour show every Saturday here on the Chase Mums Podcast where we talk all things Atlanta sports, the Atlanta sports guys. we got Preds Power Hour with Charlie and Brian. And then, of course, we've got Go Big Orange Friday with Ryan and Ethan. So all kinds of great local coverage every single weekend here on the Chase Mums Podcast, kind of like some bonus episodes for uh, the week. So thank you as always for making the Chase Almost Podcast part of your day listen wherever and however you listen to this program here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. We greatly appreciate it. As always, you can uh, get in touch with this show at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, support the show by leaving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That is indeed how you listen to this very program each and every day. Uh, tell other folks why they should listen to the show, all that good stuff, um, and why you like it. That would be great. It takes about five seconds. Go ahead and take care of that for me today. Of course, read me all kinds of new sports pieces over in the newsletter, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Check that out today. All right, Uncle Darren, or Uncle Derek. This is, I'm wrapping up here on a Saturday. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.